This is All Things ANSYS, the podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 109, we talk about industry best practices for vehicles and catch up on news and events from the world of ANSYS. Welcome from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona. I am working from the Pines this week. It's a, it's a long story that involves a decision made 30 plus years ago that I ended up with a timeshare. And if you know the uh, the grift that is timeshares, they've shifted from fixed weeks to points, and the points are not really that good of a deal. So I kept my fixed week. So the reality is I get to spend a week in Flagstaff every year, which is not a bad thing. Uh, I think a, a good investment I made, my 25-year-old self made. So do enjoy it. Um, so anyway, I, this is the second time I recorded this because the, uh, I guess there was a lawnmower in the background the first time and it didn't come out so good. So here we go again. Hopefully the sound is better. There's a lot going on in the ANSYS world, including an acquisition, which we will talk about. And um, I'm also happy to report that here at PADT, with our most recent hire last week, our ANSYS consulting team is now fully staffed. Although we do have openings in the ANSYS support team. So if you're still interested in working for PADT and would like to be one of those uh, people that people count on for ANSYS support and training, uh, do reach out and look at our website in the careers page and see, uh, see where things are. And I'm hope, hopefully things have stabilized for all of you out there and things are a little bit, uh, it's a crazy world and um, you know, it's all sorts of not so nice things going on, but hopefully uh, in your little part of it, things aren't too bad. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, in our interview for this week, I talked with Jim Peters, our in-house expert on many things. And this week, we're going to be talking about using ANSYS products to simulate vehicles. As you probably know, this is one of the fastest growing areas for ANSYS, as the automotive industry itself is making the move to electric and autonomous vehicles. And simulation has become even more important with that move. And let's hear about all the different ways ANSYS products can help. Today, we're joined by Jim Peters. And uh, usually, Jim would be uh, talking to us about some new uh, feature capability and in a, in, a, in a highly technical area of ANSYS, one of our core products usually. But today we're going to talk a little bit more generally about using simulation in the automotive space, the ANSYS tool set in the automotive space. So thank you for joining us, Jim. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is kind of exciting. So you did a webinar that kind of went through um, a lot. So my, 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 my first takeaway, my biggest takeaway from uh, watching that webinar was, yeah, we analyze a lot of stuff in cars. <laughs> yeah. And vehicles of all kinds. So it, it, it is, it's a lot. And I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, people want to know all those different things that uh, ANSYS can simulate, ANSYS products can simulate. They can certainly go to, to Bright Talk and listen to the whole thing. Um, but I want kind of wanted to hit the things that struck me as kind of cool. And, and that maybe engineers who are doing automotive systems or subsystems or, or in other industries might find kind of cool and interesting. So uh, let's, let's go ahead and, and get started with one of my favorite topics, even though we don't do enough of it, is acoustics. So there's a lot you can do. Of course, it's important with vehicles that they be, have a quiet ride. So, yeah. so what's going on in the ANSYS world when it comes to simulating that? Well, so certainly acoustics has has become a much uh, more important field of study for 
whether it's on the fluent side or mm-hmm. you know whether it's being you know looking at subsystems using other tools. So mm-hmm. I think probably the biggest takeaway is that you know acoustics capability is offered at at several tiers of product. You know, mm-hmm. certainly in the standalone legacy fluent product, uh, as well as Ansys Mechanical, and you know, there's acoustics in in the Dyna world, and mm-hmm. you know, all of them are are kind of geared for a specific, you know, addressing a certain class of uh, of acoustics, whether it's noise and vibration mm-hmm. or just you know, cabin interior and 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 so forth. So, um, you know, there's. Some of the newer products that have been brought uh, to augment uh, the legacy tools are are really just being able to to get a higher resolution decomposition of what what wow. the acoustic environment is, you know, and uh, VRX experience, mm-hmm. you know, coupled with Fluent to to try to decompose sources of noise coming from external sources, tires, mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, airflow across uh, mirrors, things like that, and then how much of that noise is propagated from the outside of the vehicle interior, and then mm-hmm. uh, obviously there's interior sources of, of noise as well with heating and mm-hmm. uh, air conditioning, ventilation, and stuff like that. So, you know, just trying to to really get another finer resolution of of not only just analytically extracting information regarding acoustics, but actually being able to, you know, study the components of it and, you know, and VR experience actually letting you listen (laughs) to what the analytical noise would would be uh, produced is is a really cool, uh, cool Mm -hmm. coupling of of some tools. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And for me, it was you know, in the past, it was how loud is it, right? This this yeah. almost can tell you how annoying it is, right? Because you can actually hear, right? You can actually hear what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, you can combine, you know, uh, audio sources into in with you know results from an analysis. If you mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, combine known external sources that you don't necessarily want to model, but you want to combine that together. Okay. That's that's where that VR experience really does a mm-hmm. kind of a cool job of kind of mixing those two things together. And and it's really more of a just an advanced post-processor more than, right. than anything else. Yeah. The you know, fluent's still doing the heavy lifting mm-hmm. of of the calculations of pressures and so forth, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's pressure is used in a lot of different ways, and acoustics is certainly one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really powerful, and so even if you're not in the automotive space, it's something to take a look at if you're using a if you're not doing acoustic simulation or if you're using somebody else's product. There's a lot in, like you said, um, in many different Ansys products as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah definitely. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we could talk about acoustics all day, but let's yeah. <laughs> for some reason I find it fascinating. Um, so another area that's kind of that that is out of my area of expertise, but um, seems to be really really important, is this whole uh, human interface design and heads up display. So you know, kind of kind of designing what the what the driver sees in the in the car. So what's the, what can you share about those tools? Yeah, those those are some of the tools that have been you know recently acquired to be able to do you know 
lighting uh, as well as as you know driving simulation and and kind of combining all of those together it's kind of in that space uh, mm-hmm. set of tools um, that, you know, is doing a type of analysis that w- without those kind of tools was, you know, never considered to be in the, in the analysis space that ANSYS could provide. But now mm-hmm. with those tools there, you know, those, those have some incredible capabilities. Um, you know, with, with automotive vehicles, whether they're electric or not, turning into you know, highly censored, uh, mm-hmm. you know, computers basically, and then you know, self-driving car capabilities, things like that. There's so many components that are, uh, you know, a whole new level of complexity that mm-hmm. needs to be addressed versus just the mechanical features of the of the vehicle itself. And those two tools to be able to simulate, um, you know, these autonomous sensor features in you know good weather bad weather you, you know you you've got the issue of you've got to make sure you're not producing false positive or mm-hmm. false negatives in terms of sensor feedback and that's you know critical for autonomous vehicles and so forth you've got to consider all of the conditions environmental conditions that you may have to deal with in the implementation of something like that it, you know it's not just something you you can drive only when it's sunny out you you've mm-hmm. got to be able to address mm-hmm. how the vehicle controls itself in a variety of environments and that's definitely um you know something these tools are, are providing some really cool capability that way it, it was really impressive to look at all the different things you could do with it and and you know again Yes, automotive is really driving it, but you know, aerospace very similar needs. Even even sometimes medical devices and consumer products, you know, you kind of have the same needs. Um, it's just not a moving vehicle, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool, cool. Yeah, well, speaking speaking of moving vehicles, uh, something that we do get to do every once in a while. That's that's one of our. I think your and my favorite types of simulation is crash simulation. Right. So that's certainly come a long way from from modeling a wall in the car and running into the wall, right? I mean, there's there's so much in there now. So can you kind of give a high level overview of the different things, like you know the 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 body model and the airbag models and seatbelts and and I, I was even really surprised that uh, they have the standard models, I guess, for some of the test structures, the barrier structures that are used. Yeah, well, and that's that's really where you know vehicle crash analysis has really expanded. You know, mm-hmm. even before you know the EV uh, mm-hmm. vehicle development kind of changed things even more. But um, you know, there it used to be crash was just you know the the thirty five mile an hour mm-hmm. head on collisions, right. and yeah, that's good enough. Well, now you know to get the full five star ratings on crash safety which is huge for marketing and vehicles everybody wants to have the five star rating in every category and every category requires these crash models not just to survive for a couple hundred milliseconds and then you know let them go unstable it's like well we need to be able to evaluate side impact we need to be able to evaluate rollover um you know potential of of you know 
human, you know, being thrown out of a vehicle. Mm. Those kind of simulations are much longer, much more complex and involve, you know, a lot of the safety systems built into the system. You know, airbags used to be a little easier in that they were only coming out of the steering column. And, <laughs> and you know, it's just, you know, you could approximate things a little bit easier. Now, with curtain airbags and, you know, airbags in every compartment of the vehicle, and they're designed to, you know, come out in certain crash conditions. Now, the secondary structure of the interior of the, of the car is now becoming a critical feature to making sure that these curtain airbags deploy properly and you know you using uniform pressure inflation assumptions is no longer you know accurate enough for these kind of systems they have very complex folding patterns and they require you know a, a very detailed uh simulation of of the expansion of the gas as it gets generated and and as it fills up the airbag so um you know crash analysis in general there's there's a lot more conditions that need to be considered mm -hmm. as well as uh you know dealing with the kind of the whole change of of a traditional combustion you know vehicle arrangement to electric vehicles where now the critical component is the battery right. um you know batteries haven't been modeled in much detail in in combustion engines because they're not a very critical subsystem now they're extremely important and that's the new area of development on the dyna side is is how are we going to address you know damage to the the battery how are we going to simulate you know thermal runaway if if cells start you know uh, damage from a, a vehicle accident has caused the battery to start going, uh, shorting out and going unstable. You know, how can we predict and how can we alleviate some of those problems? So there's a lot of new areas that have never really been dealt with before that, that the tools need to evolve to be able to handle answering some of these questions. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of progress made there. Um, yeah, just just amazing all the different standards and capabilities and yeah, modeling these things. It it, it was simpler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, first, no, it's, but it's capable. It's, yeah, in general, a lot more to deal with, and then the resolution of everything you used to do it needs to be even higher fidelity than it right. than it was in the past. So, you know, with manufacturing construction techniques, you know, changing with electric vehicles that, you know, there's, there needs to be new best practices for, for modeling that, you know, structure yeah. and, and those attachments need to be done in a little bit more resolute way with, with, uh, you know, electric vehicles as opposed to traditional uh, vehicle construction. So, yeah, yeah. That's so true. It's really, really, really pushing it. And and the expectation of the driving public, the buying public, is that these cars are going to be five star safe. So you, you got to do all this work. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, true. True. So so the next area I want to talk about um, was new to me, and and the title given was water management and soiling, but it's really it was very cool. It's it's how when you drive through a puddle. What does that do? Can you talk a little bit more about that type of analysis and, and how it's actually done? 
Yeah, the uh, the water egress, you know that you know that was something that that could be quote simulated in in the CFD world with um, you know kind of a Euler domain and so forth. But you know it is very computationally expensive to try to do it there, and you know it never was really practical to do at a scale of of a moving vehicle, you know, over, uh, you know, a two or three minute time period it takes right. to go through the through the bath. So um, one of the things that that has been happening on the Dyna side is, you know, there there's been part there's a variety of different particle methods uh, available that are used in in airbags and and a lot of different applications, but they've developed a a more simplified um, implicit based SPH formulation to to replicate the water. So you know the level of detail that may be needed uh, for compressibility effects and all that kind of stuff for more complicated analysis have a more complicated formulation that it's more expensive. But this implicit method allows you know a good bulk representation of the water and with it, being a particle method allows you to be able to track, you know, splash patterns and everything, egress of, of hey, does, do we have any areas that there's the potential for leakage coming in? And, you know, a, a particle method is, is a whole different uh, level of, of a resolution that can be captured versus, you know, a, a traditional, um, you know, Euler domain or, or Lagrangian domain representation that would be very difficult to to kind of handle these seams and and you know egress uh, areas where it would be difficult to have you know the the physics be captured in in that style of of, of physics, but the particle methods um, you know provide a, a tremendous capability of of not only high resolution result, but also, uh, you know, the ability that it, you know, these particles just act on top of whatever structure you have. So um, it makes the simulation of those so much easier. And this particular implicit formulation is, you know, significantly faster in the solve time, can still, like I say, capture the you know the the behavior of water and 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 how it uh, uh, reacts to to the vehicle being driven through it. But um, yeah, that's that's one area where you know the basic capability has always been there, but now we need to find more practical ways and faster ways of being able to do it um, with the level of accuracy for that particular application. So. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty cool, and uh, again, yeah, that's very useful for cars. But there's probably a lot of other industries that have uh, water or liquid splashing around. Uh, they want to be able to model it, and so yeah, that's a capability that we have now that to be able to do fairly easily. So yeah. pretty cool, pretty cool. Absolutely. So so you know, we we haven't talked about external flow. We haven't talked about structural mm -hmm. simulation. You know brakes, exhaust, modeling the engine. These are all things that I think people are aware that ANSYS uh, has done for some time. Yeah. Uh, was there something we didn't talk about that maybe impacts the overall simulation of vehicles that you think is people you know about because it really makes a big difference? 
Yeah, I, I think if you look at in the way this this presentation was kind of formatted, it is, you know, you know, bottom line, modern vehicles are much more complicated, have so many more things to consider in their development. And just as they've always had, you need to do them faster. Uh, you know, you, you've got to get the design cycles down to uh, fractions of what they would normally take in traditional methods. And probably one of the biggest, you know, this presentation was really a highlight of, of the ANSYS portfolio of, of, of tools to address all these different areas. But probably the one tool that is, you know, the most overreaching uh, that would cover so many of these areas is related to materials, the, the grant of material ah. system. Okay. So, you know, that's that's a traditional problem in any industry is is consistent, you know, use of the same materials for all applications. And, uh, you know, and there's certainly material data that's specific to different types of physics. But overall, you would like to have a central source that everybody's using the same material definition. And that's traditionally just been a very problematic and and it's probably very difficult to assess the impact of of how much extra effort gets involved uh, when when you don't have tight control over your materials. You know, people using different uh, material sets and making decisions based on those values that other material representations might be different and lead you to a different conclusion. And so there's a lot of of issue that way. And, you know, the presentation of the Granta, um, you know, MI system to be able to capture all of the, you know, customer proprietary materials right. coupled with external sources of databases that are available for plastics and rubbers and composites, having one central source that would be the storage of all that material. And then it, it has interfaces that are formatted for the specific use case. So the CFD people need a certain subset of, of material information, and that could be you know, directly put into Fluent uh, right from that interface. And then the structural guys have theirs. On the Dyna side, they have theirs. They need, you know, much more complicated material definition. So having that central source of, of materials that can be used across all, you know, avenues and understanding not everybody needs the same material data, but a central source where all of that is captured and stored, I think is probably the biggest thing that would lead to these design cycle gains is because, um, you know, the materials and getting all the materials set up for each of these individual simulations is not a trivial task. No. And control of that material is not a trivial task. So having a system that that you do have control and, and traceability back to the source, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, that's probably the biggest, you know, uh, product piece that that ties all of all those other individual products together mm -hmm. that that you know would really make you know a system level analysis uh, mm -hmm. so much more efficient. Yeah, yeah, that's a, and what a change, right? Um, yeah, I think uh, 
some larger companies tried to do build their own databases. Uh, I think we all use Excel far too often for this problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that's certainly not traceable or repeatable or shareable to the extent that this is. So, yeah, Granta, you know, it doesn't get as much uh, credit as it deserves, especially when you're working on large system uh, machine. I mean, it's all machines, right? We're modeling machines, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, vehicles, aircraft, uh, medical devices, right? They're these complex ones that yeah. use these different physics and these different simulation tools. Having one one tool to manage the uh, materials is huge. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I Very know just in, in my simulation work, uh, yeah. I use the Granta, you know, commercial database of materials. And, yeah. you know, I, I've, <laughs> I've saved a tremendous amount of time in my <laughs> workflow process yeah. of not having to Google materials. And it's like, oh, let's go look for tungsten. And it's, oh, well, which version? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. you know, all of that in one central source that you can just grab it. It's it's populated with the data you need. And, you know, that that's that's a yeah. an aspect that like you say isn't well communicated sometimes but that's a huge part of the of the workflow process yeah. In, improving efficiency as well as accuracy yeah yeah so true yeah well, well, cool um it's very hard not to talk about all the more mundane things that are in there <laughs> um but we won't um and uh you know maybe maybe we'll cover some of those at some other point um a little shout out to the series that we're doing of webinars where we're looking at industry best practices. This was automotive. So mm-hmm. they're, really, they're really overviews um, of how you can use ANSYS tools in a given industry. And, you know, strong encouragement, even if you're not in that industry, as we've talked about here with some of the stuff that's, uh, you know, we're talking about in terms of automotive, it's applicable, of course, to other industries as well. And pretty yeah. informative stuff and maybe simulations you didn't know you could do or, um, don't do enough of. So it's great, great series. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add? I, I think that's that's all we have time for, but anything else? Yeah, no, I, I think just, you know, the general message is, is you know, the, the legacy products continue to be enhanced to, to be able to handle the challenges and the resolution of, of information that's required. And then, you know, the integration of, of new new tools that that address specific things are, are constantly going there and like i say i think the series is just is a really good exposure to uh oh wow i didn't know they could do that and yeah the the answers portfolio of products is is ever expanding and is is has tremendous coverage uh, yeah. and you know just being able to see that at, at a high level of oh wow okay I didn't know that could be done um, that's uh, that's why I think the value of this series is just just introducing people to products that they may not be aware of that existed yeah agree 100 percent well um, we'll have you back on for the in the future hopefully with some more and sure. otherwise you have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon all right thank you very much thanks Kim all right Welcome back. If you have any questions or want to know more about any of the topics we covered, please reach out to info at PADTINC.com or podcast at PADTINC.com. And uh, we covered a lot and we only scratched the, surf- scratched the surface. So please do reach out if you have any questions or want to know more. Like maybe there's a capability that you think we might have that you didn't hear about. Let us know. So for our commercial this week, I um, want to talk about how last week, I was at IME West, and that's the big design and manufacturing show in Anaheim, 
MD&M, DNM, used to be called the Pacific Design Show. Anyway, it's a big, big show. And the week before that, I was at the Space Symposium. And people stopped by our booth to chat. I found myself talking about PDT as a whole, and then the various particular services that we offered. And I thought, hey, I haven't done that in a while on the podcast, so let's make our commercial a little bit of the background on PDT and why we do so many different things. So the four of us started PDT when we were engineers at what is now Honeywell Engines. Uh, we were turbo machinery engineers, and we did three things that were new at the time. We did 3D printing, which was called rapid prototyping. We did advanced design. Uh, 3D solid modeling was really new at the time. And we were doing uh, 3D simulation using ANSYS, a commercial code, rather than in-house codes or government codes. And we thought, hey, these technologies are going to be applicable to other places out there. So let's go ahead and uh, work it that way. Let's go ahead and, and um, build a company around this idea of these three different technologies, these CAE technologies. And PADP was born. And here we are, uh, 28 years later, and we're still basically those three verticals, right? So the simulation team, the design team, and the 3D printing team. And we also, one thing that changed from that original consulting goal is we sell products. So you all know we sell ANSYS. You should probably also know we sell Flonex if you listen to this podcast. But we're also a Stratasys distributor for 3D printing as well as EOS for metal 3D printing. And we also sell Zeiss scanners, uh, Zeiss and GOM scanners, actually. So we've got a whole group of salespeople and support engineers and, and field service engineers for that sort of stuff. Um, you also know that our ANSYS sales and support is uh, provides training to folks. But what you may not know is we offer the same sort of thing on the 3D printing side. We have classes on how to do 3D printing, how to design for 3D printing. And of course, we support the 3D printers that we sell. And the reputation we have in the ANSYS world is replicated over on the additive manufacturing world. And our consulting team, which we often talk about here that does simulation, we also have another group of people in the same department that do product development. And they do project management, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and they can pretty much design, build, and test anything. And we do that across industries, um, including a group that does just medical devices. Then over on the manufacturing side, uh, we have one of the most well-respected 3D printing service providers in the country. Um, if you want to just throw your parts over the wall, get a quote, get a part, that's not us. If you want help, if you want engineering, if you want the right process, the right post-processing, definitely reach out to us. And uh, we offer a variety of consulting services around manufacturing as well. So that's a very high-level overview. Um, here after 28 years, we're kind of still doing the same thing. And hopefully we can help you do those things better. So please think of PDT beyond what you know us for. We're 90 people dedicated to making your innovation work. All right. So let's take a look at the ANSYS stock. And well, <laughs> I guess I could have skipped this. It's actually down 29% for a year to date. So here we are. Um, I'm recording this on April 17th. So um, around 11 o'clock Phoenix time, it was sitting at around 29% um, drop, which was, let me see here, $281.66. Now the S&P 500 is down only 8%. So it's definitely the ANSYS stock is underperforming, but so Altair and Autodesk they're at uh, minus 26% and minus 30% respectively. PTC is the only stock that we really look at uh, in this area that's not performing as bad as the other three. Um, they're only down 18%, um, so they don't suck as bad. 
Um, this is even after the acquisition that we're going to talk about in a second. And um, the other bit of news on the, on the ANSYS stock standpoint is they will be releasing their Q1 numbers on May 4th. So I always recommend people listen to that. Of course, we'll talk about it on the podcast after that. In ANSYS news, there's, there's really only one story, which is that ANSYS acquired a company called OnScale. Now, I confuse OnScale and OnShape. OnShape is a cloud CAD platform. OnScale is a cloud-based simulation platform. And it's a native, 100% web-based user interface and uh, built to run and solve in the cloud. There's no emulating or anything like that. It's native built in the cloud. Um, and so Ansys acquired them, and they're basically going to put the, they're going to take the solvers that came with the on-scale product and replace them with the Ansys core product solvers. And you're going to be able to um, do true cloud computing, high-performance simulation computing, rather than um, really running a virtual terminal in the cloud, which is what we do now, which fits a lot of situations. Sometimes you want to do true cloud computing. Um, this is going to be the way to do that. It's a full multi-physics user interface. And um, I'll read you, well, I'll kind of paraphrase because they're kind of long and, and markety. The bullet points that Ansys put on the press release. So they basically point out in the first bullet point that the current marketplace and cloud portfolios that Ansys offers, um, offer they, they provide the scalable location independent access to the industry leading applications that Ansys has. So the full featured user interfaces that we have on those tools you can access on the cloud. Again, that's kind of like running a virtual machine in the cloud rather than on your desktop or in a server near your office. Um, so that's what we have right now. And this portfolio will extend that with the addition of this cloud native web-based user interface, interface from OnScale. So when you want to do that, that's the right tool to have. So once OnScale's technology is integrated with Ansys' portfolios, customers will enjoy device-independent access to Ansys simulation via both full-featured UIs, which is what we have right now, and this new fully web-based UI, which was just acquired. The on-scale technology will also support Ansys's ongoing extensible platform-centric approach to enable a new class of simulation-based vertical applications. What does that mean? It took me a while to figure that out. What it means is that it's going to support the Python that uh, we're writing APIs in across. You know, most of the major products are already there. Other products are getting more robust in this area, so you'll be able to actually write, and this is really important, vertical applications using the on-scale product that write in the cloud. So if you want to write a vertical application that does simulation for your customers, this is the secret, this is where I think it's going, you can do that with this product. So you can create a vertical app to say, so let's say you do um, electronics and you want your customers to be able to do thermal models of your geometry, you can write a vertical app for them to do that using this on-scale technology rather than the native GUI that is emulated on the cloud. So pretty cool. Um, I, I have not used on-scale, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I remember when it came out, I looked at it. Um, it looked pretty slick as far as a user interface standpoint. Um, but um, we'll see We'll see what it is and what it looks like as we get used to it. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about the uh, Once the deal gets done, right, they announced the acquisition, it's still not uh, completed. Once that's done, um, we'll try and get somebody from the team, uh, from both, like we usually do, somebody from Ansys and from the OnScale team to come on and talk about what they plan to do and what the applications are going to be. So I'm pretty excited um, for a lot of different reasons, new users, but I think the big killer app of this acquisition is going to be our ability to create cloud-native vertical applications 
using the on-scale user interface. Pretty cool stuff. Um, that's pretty much it for ANSYS news. Um, PADT, we did have a press release go out that we announced that we're now selling eight new 3D printers from Stratasys uh, over the last little bit, over a year maybe. Um, it, it's been about a year. They've, they've announced a lot of new platforms, um, not just new FDM and polyjet printers, but also a new powder bed system, as well as sterile lithography and projection-based through acquisition and development. So really cool there. Uh, if you're interested in 3D printing, do check out that press release. Let's go ahead and hop over to the ANSYS blog. I uh, picked three stories. Um, again, this, these always, you, you, don't, you don't have to go by me. You can check out the blog yourself and see what interests you. These are the three stories that interested me the most. And you can tell what I like, which is alternative energy and medicine and anything in space. So the first one, speaking of medicine, is simulation helps bring new drugs to patients faster. It's how you can use ANSYS tools in the pharmaceutical industry and in drug delivery industry. 3D printing innovate. The next story is 3D printing innovation takes off at NASA. So I like this one, of course, because it combines space and 3D printing and simulation. And it, uh, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is a lot of the 3D printing going on in space is, of course, powder bed fusion, where they take the laser and melt the powder. But um, there's also this direct energy, which isn't used in a lot of other industries, which is basically spray metal. Um, and that's how they're creating these big pressure vessels. So there's an article on using simulation to help drive both of those. And um, last but not least um, is called X1 Wind Floats Unique Energy Harvesting Technology Thanks to the ANSYS Startup Program. So I always like to point out how the ANSYS Startup Program is a great way for startups to get into the world of simulation early on at an affordable price and drive your design and cut your cost, your development cost by using virtual prototyping. And this is such a great example of it. And it's a pretty cool um, uh, tripod-based floating wind turbine application. So check that out uh, for a lot of different reasons. On the PADT blog, uh, our new website is almost 100% done. We've still got a few pages that are getting fleshed out. It's up and running. Um, there's just a few things that probably don't make sense if you dig deep enough. <laughs> Those are getting fixed. Um, but um, everything else, especially on the ANSYS side, is completely done. It's up and running. So let us know if you find any broken links or format issues in those old blog articles. I mean, some of those blog articles are 15 years old, and they've been moved like four or five times. So if anything's not working, please do let us know at info at pdtinc.com. We have published three um, blog posts since the last time we talked. The first one is uh, from Alex Grishin. It's called How to Perform Equilibrium Checks on Transient Heat Transfer Numerical Models. And this is a question we get a lot in tech support. So Alex did a PowerPoint. You can you know, take a look at that and, and learn from him. Um, very useful if you're doing any kind of transient thermal simulation. Definitely check that out. Then the second one is a Flonex article from Miles called Using Property Monitor to Pause a Simulation in Flonex. Very important tool. And the last is actually on the 3D printing side in our very own Pam Waterman, who is um, an expert in 3D printing and an author on the topic, uh, went with Women in 3D Printing Arizona down to a... Um, a, I guess a subdivision that's being built for Habitat for Humanity using 3D printing. So one of these concrete uh, 3D printers. Very cool application. And uh, she kind of explains the whole thing. So if you're interested in, in building with 3D printers or buildings made with 3D printers, check out that article that Pam wrote. It's in our blog as well. Uh, upcoming events-wise, we have our next webinar is going to be on the 20th. 
which is, I got to check what day of the week that is. Uh, that would be Wednesday, as usual. It's called Additional Fluids Updates and Answers 2022 R1, Ensite, Chemkin, CFX, and Forte. So we're going to talk about these other fluids products instead of just fluent. Um, definitely check out the Insight one and, and CFX if you use those tools especially. Um, and then the following seminar is going to be on the 27th of April called Simulation Bex Practices, and that's a Wednesday as well, uh, for environmental pollution control. So just like the vehicle best practices one that we talked about with Jim's interview, this one's going to be on environmental pollution control. So if you're doing any kind of combustion where bad stuff comes from the uh, mixing of various things, uh, this is a good one for you to check out. So those are the, the two webinars that we have coming up. Other things going on in our world are um, on Wednesday as well. The final stop of the Experience Stratasys Tour will be stopping in Tempe, Arizona. And um, that's going to be, uh, again, on Wednesday. And it's down at ASU. It's uh, just off Mill Avenue on Lot 20, if you know where that is. So we'll be showing off uh, Stratasys 3D printers there. Um, good opportunity for you to check those out if you live in the Phoenix area. And then on, um, I guess the only other thing really worth pointing out coming up is on April 22nd, we will be at the 12th annual Tucson Arizona Technology Council Golf Tournament. So if you're golfing at that tournament, do uh, let us know. I think we've got one more slot left as well on the golf tournament. So if you want to golf, um, reach out and let us know if you're listening to this podcast before then. Um, that's the 22nd. Again, that's a Friday. And then we will be at Rapid. A couple of folks from, including my partner, Ray Chu, who's the true expert in 3D printing, will be at Rapid from the 17th to the 20th. And don't forget, Simulation World 2022 is May 8th. This is an ANSYS event. It's a, uh, a, a, a conference, and it, uh, it's a virtual conference only. And it covers all things um, about how to... Um, not necessarily into the technical side of simulation, but more the business side of simulation and the application side, the project management side, and lots of good case studies of how people have used ANSYS tools to uh, change the way they do product development. So that is it for events, and that is it for our podcast on this second take, hopefully much clearer without the uh, the lawn noise in the background getting modulated by the uh, the sound uh, software kind of makes it go, whoa, it's really annoying. So I redid it. I want to thank you all, as always, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe at www.padtint.com slash opt-in. Again, that's for our newsletter, so you can get news about what's going on in the world of PADT. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Do spread the word. Let other folks know about it. And do not hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 109. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.